Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. One of the countries where there's actually been quite a lot of progress around the basic income is Scotland. There's been a lot of political development. People are talking about new ideas. But it's been a bit difficult to actually follow everything going on from the media reporting around what's happening there. Yeah, and so to get an actual sense of what's going on on the ground, I got a chance to interview Jamie Cook. He is the head of RSA Scotland and sits on the board of Citizens Basic Income Earth Network in Scotland. So here is my conversation with Jamie Cook. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me on. So to start, can you just tell us about the work of RSA Scotland? Sure. So uh, we're an international um, think and do tank. So we've got a presence in about 90 countries around the world, headquarters down in London, uh, about 29,000 fellows uh, in different parts of the world, uh, and covering a broad range of different um, topics and ideas that we're looking at, particularly around civic impact and how we can not just think about things, but actually make a difference with it, uh, which I suppose is partly where we've become particularly interested in ideas around the economy, the future of work, uh, artificial intelligence and automation, and obviously connecting all of those really uh, basic income. Sure, and of course we'll get into that in a moment, but first I'd just love it if you could ground us a little bit in the general political climate in Scotland. So what's that like these days? So it's a really interesting time we have here. Obviously, in 2014, we had a referendum on Scottish independence, which uh, the no vote, so the the vote to stay in the United Kingdom, won by 55 to 45%. And since then, we've had quite an interesting uh, political context, I suppose. The Scottish National Party are very much the dominant political force in Scotland, uh, controlling Scottish government and most levers of of, uh, political representation. Uh, And I think there was a feeling that perhaps, you know, after the referendum, that was a once in generation vote and therefore we would go into a different different context. But uh, the the referendum on European Union membership that we took uh, and obviously the fact that the United Kingdom has voted to leave the EU, whatever that may end up looking like. Uh, at the same time as Scotland actually across every single local authority area voted to stay in the EU, I, I think created quite a different context again, showed a bit of a disconnect between the politics and the, the discussions in Scotland and the rest of the United Kingdom. And so that's really kind of kick-started some of the debate again around uh, Scotland's constitutional future. So just now we're at a position where um, we've just had the launch of a new uh, growth commission by uh, the Scottish National Party and the Scottish Government, looking at what the economics of a, an independent Scotland could look like. And I think very much signalling the beginning of at least a new discussion around Scotland's constitutional future. At this stage, I think as Brexit is so chaotic and we're not quite sure where it's going, uh, I'm not entirely sure anyone knows what's going to be the next steps or the next uh, elements of discussion. But, but as it stands, I think there's a very real chance we'll have another uh, referendum and another discussion around constitutional future for Scotland, whether that's within the UK or actually as an independent nation. Yeah, well, that, that's really fascinating. And we always have these conversations in a political context, but that one is you know, very much in flux, it sounds like. Um, so as you alluded to, the basic income discussion is alive and well in Scotland. Can you tell us what the status of that is right now? Sure, and I I think this reflects partly the fact that in Scotland, I suppose wherever anyone stands on the constitutional debate, there is an understanding that as a small country, whether that's independent or as part of the UK, 
Scotland is trying to kind of find its place in the world um, and, and how it can interact with other nations, how we can make decisions uh, for some of the challenges we face here in Scotland. And really what's been quite exciting about that is opening up a space for considering more radical uh, ideas than perhaps would be considered at other points. So, excuse me, for example, we've seen, um, you know, quite a push in Scotland around uh, world-leading environmental change um, targets. There's questions you can have around the implementation of those, but certainly the targets we're aiming for uh, are quite hard. We're looking around um, new ideas towards social security and how, how some of these areas can work in a different way in Scotland to the rest of the UK. And I think that's opened a really interesting space uh, that basic income has been able to find uh, a bit of traction. I've been involved in it for a couple of years now, and really the shift in momentum and interest during that period has has been phenomenal. From something that was very much a fringe concept, as we've seen in other countries around the world, uh, to one that actually in September last year, the Scottish government, so Nicola Sturgeon as First Minister, uh, announced within her programme for government, so the outlining of her um, her kind of strategic or, or policy priorities for the, the coming year, basic income experimentation being one of those key priorities. And I think that's a, it's been a massive step forward in terms of the engagement with political decision makers, but also the wider push within Scotland around whether we could explore uh, some of the ideas attached to a concept like basic income and really has pushed forward a lot of momentum. We're at a position now where the Scottish Government have put money aside to support feasibility work by four of Scotland's local authorities, so council areas, to look at what a uh, basic income experiment might look like uh, in those areas. So Glasgow and Edinburgh is our two biggest cities. Glasgow, the biggest, Edinburgh is our capital. And also North Ayrshire and Fife, which are two areas that combine both commuter towns, but also uh, rural communities as well. It's quite a diverse spread. Uh, and so it, we're in a really interesting space of testing out these ideas and seeing where they might be able to go for Scotland. Yeah, and the, the conversation also in the U.S. has really picked up in the last few years. What's motivating that, that sudden surge over where you are? So I think it's been really fascinating having those conversations with uh, with our colleagues in the U.S. that I think there are slightly different pushes. And I, I'm generalizing slightly here, but I, I think in the U.S. there's definitely been a, a huge push for you guys around the future of work, automation, artificial intelligence, you know, how this is going to impact on jobs and how we, we see the next stage of, if you like, economic uh, evolution. And I think that's partly why there's been such a, a push and buy-in from some of the big tech leaders and so on. Uh, I think here in Scotland, the, the push has been primarily from a, a social justice perspective. So how can we create a, an economy and a, and a society that is better balanced and better supportive to all of our citizens? I think there's been a huge disconnect for, uh, in many ways between um, political decision making in Scotland around social security and welfare in the United Kingdom. We've seen a a system introduced under, under universal credit from the UK government that is very much rooted in sanctions and presuming the worst of people. Really, the idea you have to force people to behave in a, a positive manner or they will they will uh, game the system. Uh, and even though that isn't rooted in any sort of evidence or, or in fact, much to the contrary, it, it's defined how our approach to social security has been in the UK over the last uh, few years. And I think within Scotland, there's been a, a bit of a pushback against that. I think as well within a Scottish context, there's a recognition that in some of our communities, we have 
very long-standing challenges. So a city like Glasgow has been booming, uh, has done a lot of really good renovation work over the last few years, is recognised uh, on an international level for being a very attractive place to visit, to do business and so on. And yet there are also communities, particularly in the east end of Glasgow and the north of Glasgow, that have deeply entrenched issues around unemployment, around education, around health, uh, well-being, addiction and so on. And I certainly find with my conversations with a lot of community leaders uh, and local authority representatives that there's kind of a, a realisation that we've tried to do the same things over and over again and they haven't made those changes. In fact, we can't just look to incremental change anymore to hope that the economy will pull everyone up with it. Actually, we need to try something quite radically different. And I think basic income has therefore offered a space to challenge and to debate some of the, the norms or the expectations around the economy and around society that perhaps we've, we've taken for granted for, for several decades. Yeah, and that starts to get into what I wanted to ask you next, which was if you have this goal of a, a more balanced society where, where people are, are a bit more equal, why is basic income the answer as opposed to, say, a, a jobs program or, or other social benefits? I think there's several reasons that. So I think one is, uh, I reckon it is, there's almost a kind of philosophical element to basic income and in the, in the recognition of us all having rights, connections and responsibilities and opportunities as citizens. So actually taking away from that idea that what we receive or give into society is purely based on our economic activity. Actually, all of us, every single one as citizens are entitled and deserve to have an element of security from that that wider uh, system that we're in, and I think that recognises the those who've gone before us. You know the the cliche about being an island. Uh, no man is, no woman is. Um, we all are based on those who've come before us and those who come after. And I think there is that recognition that of having a better connectivity amongst uh, society, and probably, uh, and I, I think in a Scottish context, we shouldn't over exaggerate these ideas of, of being more socially progressive as a nation than other places. I think we try to, and actually that's not always borne out. But I think the political uh, environment lends itself to the type of discussions around uh, community involvement and connectivity and social responsibility that are sometimes harder uh, elsewhere. I think, though, as well, there's a recognition about the way that the job landscape is changing and actually the very nature of work is and, and should change. And when we see the growth of insecurity, when we see the precarious lives that people are living, the traditional ways we've approached that, the social contract that in the United Kingdom we created in the post-war period in response to beverages, uh, giants that he identified within society that, that we had to combat, that we created the NHS and, and all our other fantastic and, and vitally important social security and welfare systems, but actually they need to evolve and adapt to a different world we're in now. And I think there is a recognition that, that that's an important uh, space for us to to start to, to get into. How do we create a flexibility? I mean, uh, as a small country, and I mean, Scotland is, is a very small country. It's, it's one of our strengths and one of our challenges where, you know, we have a smaller population than London does. 
uh, that gives us a great flexibility, but it's only a flexibility if we are able to give security and the ability to change and adapt to our citizens. And I think there's partly a recognition within that of this is a, a system that gives people that that opportunity to grow and to try uh, new ideas and respond to the opportunities and challenges that, that arise for them. So yeah, along those lines, there are a lot of different versions of basic income that you'll hear proposed from a, a straight yeah. universal basic income to a negative income tax to a, a carbon dividend or a sovereign wealth fund. What do you think might be the best, most feasible and best fit for Scotland? I think for Scotland, the it's funny, in some ways when we, we talk about the universality of basic income, you can sometimes get a bit of a... a instinctive negative response to that in Scotland because there is a feeling of why would we be giving money to people who have more money than they need already. Uh, but I think one of the important things we emphasise within all of our discussions in Scotland is that basic income is not a policy that can operate in isolation. Um, it is, for me, it's a foundation stone to a new social contract. So we wouldn't introduce a basic income in Scotland with nothing else alongside it. It would go alongside reforming the tax system. It would go alongside, for example, looking at rent control, because if you didn't introduce some sort of control around rent, a basic income would just vanish into uh, the pockets of, of landlords. Uh, it would go around looking at the current measures we have in place around minimum and living wage, for example. So I think there's an important element whereby we, we look at that. And actually the universality, therefore, is is very attractive. I find it very fascinating. I find it funny when I, I talk at quite a lot of events and uh, sometimes people will stand up and shout at me at the end and say you know basic income is a policy that uh, Hayek and Friedman supported you're just trying to destroy the the welfare state which um, you know I'm quite happy to to defend the fact that I'm not but I think that the negative income tax uh, as, as a kind of variation upon or, or way to approach it hasn't had the same resonance I think it has a lot of negative connotations within a Scottish political context because of some of the the proponents behind it previously so I would expect if we were to see success with this moving forward and I, I think we have a very strong opportunity uh, with the work we're doing just now to, to really push towards um, basic income as a national policy in future years in Scotland if we can demonstrate the, the evidence of success. Um, I, I would expect to see that on a universal level, I would expect to see it across society um, because I think within the, the Scottish combination uh, and political environment of basic income being both a uh, Policy it supports individual decision making, but within a wider social context. It's not one or the other. It doesn't ignore the individuals, but also doesn't ignore the fact that society does exist. Um, I think that's probably the most natural way that we would see that fit in, in Scotland moving forward. But I think part of the, the interesting uh, element of, of the experiments, and I, I think one of the things I would give the most credit to the Scottish Government and to uh, the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, for is the fact that when you see a policy, it suddenly picks up a lot of interest and, and momentum and kind of, quite frankly, fashion in some ways uh, as basic income has, which is great and we're, we're really excited about. Um, it's very easy, I think, for political decision makers, particularly leaders of a country, to go a one of two ways. Either they throw themselves into it wholeheartedly, and this is the answer to all their problems, which is not helpful or, or sustainable, or they reject it because it's just a, a kind of popular um, decision. And I think actually what's been really positive to see from, from the Scottish Government, from the First Minister, is that what they see the popularity showing is that basic income is worthy of being explored further. 
and being explored within a Scottish context, but with global conversations. They're not throwing themselves into saying this will definitely be the policy in Scotland moving forward. But they're also giving the space for us to experiment and explore and see what kind of implications this might be able to have for Scotland. And I think that gives us a really interesting um, space and opportunity and environment that we can actually create quite a, a Scottish specific uh, and targeted um, version of the, the policy in many ways that will work within the particular context that we have here, but that also can learn from what's happening in Finland and Stockton, uh, California and, and you know Ontario and various other places just now as well. Yeah, and you started to get into it there and wondering what the public reaction has been to this whole basic income discussion. Do you, do you think people are generally supportive? I think it's getting there. I think one of the biggest things we need to do over the next uh, year or so is really work on that public engagement. I think there are still there's probably still too big a proportion of the Scottish population haven't engaged with the the context yet. Um, what I find in doing you know a lot of public speaking and public events and workshops and so on around the topic is within a Scottish context, you tend to get one of two reactions and now I think we have a, we're lucky in Scotland in that we have a political context where we've had quite a an open space to start from maybe more so than than in some other countries so for example after the the independence referendum debate um, I think you had this huge growth in civic uh, and um, citizen engagement in politics around the, the independence referendum. You know, registration for voting the referendum was, you know, not far short, shy of 100%. You know, a huge turnout, uh, people engaged in events. And I think when the referendum finished, uh, people kind of wondered where to go with that. Now, some people joined political parties, but I think for a lot of folk, they were looking for that idea of a better Scotland, wherever they sat on the constitution, that was what was motivating them. And I think, therefore, we've had this this great um, part of the population we could tap into, in a sense, who were looking for a progressive, positive idea to really uh, get behind. And I think basic income has lent itself to that. Um, interestingly, the, the kind of other reaction you find um, is quite a... a a knee-jerk, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but it's, it's quite an instinctive reaction, uh, which is when you talk about the concepts of giving people money and choice over what they spend it on, um, a reaction of, ah, but I know Jimmy in my street would spe spend that money on drink. He would spend it on alcohol. He would spend it on cigarettes. You know, that's that's not a good use of any sort of policy. And it's a, it's a very quick and it's a very powerful and understandable reaction. But what I've also found with a lot of those reactions is... It doesn't take much of a space of discussing and allowing people to to play with the idea and explore it to also hear them saying, I will I know he would spend it on alcohol, but I also know my cousin has been looking to set up a business and this would give her the spur to do it. Or I know so and so who spent this time where they could have been, you know, they want to care for their their husband who's who's unwell, but they haven't been able to do so because of financial reasons. And I think it, it gives me the the feeling that we won't get 100% of the population behind this concept straight away because you never do and that, that wouldn't be sensible or indeed, frankly, um, healthy in many ways. But I think there's a real space there for us to be able to play with and challenge and experiment with the idea that actually when we do that and when we give particularly citizens the chance to do that instead of telling them this is a policy you're going to accept whether you like it or not, there's a real appetite uh, in Scotland for doing that. And I think the more we can expand that, and that's, 
you know, you, you mentioned me being a, a board member at Seabins, uh, which is the Scottish affiliate of the Basic Income Earth Network. Um, you know, it's one of the areas that we're really looking at within Seabins is how do you train and empower and give the, the confidence to people to take these ideas out into their communities to discuss and challenge them and frankly maybe that will come back and push us in different directions but that's good it's a good way to engage the wider population so what would you say are the next steps for basic income in scotland so i think there's a few elements i think the the biggest bit just now is to say is that the four local authorities who have been identified as the the key uh, test areas if you like um, they're working, they've set up uh, a steering group, they're bringing in um, you know, a kind of small staff team who will focus on developing a feasibility study into the challenges and opportunities around experimenting with basic income in Scotland. And I think it's worth you know, being honest about the fact that we do face challenges in Scotland. So as it stands, Scotland cannot introduce a basic income. Um, because we lack the devolution of fiscal powers and social security powers to be able to do that realistically. Uh, so currently, out of the entire social security budget for the United Kingdom, about 15% is controlled by the Scottish government and the Scottish Parliament. You know, it says we have a realistic situation just now where we can't take that forward. If in the the feasibility, for example the financial costs of experimentation or the potential issues around uh, the Department of Work and Pensions who run our social security system in the UK primarily um, or Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs who run our tax system. Uh, you know, we we are going to have work to really explore what are the, the ways that these could impact on any experiments. Uh, and actually, therefore, what can we experiment with? What can we expect to be able to test and demonstrate? And frankly, what do we have to be very honest about and say we can't do that in this this context? So that feasibility work is going to be to be vitally important. And uh, from an RSA perspective, we'll be looking to engage with and and support a lot of that and contribute to it. We're looking at a number of, of complementary areas, um, but it will be a very important opportunity for Scotland. I think the other thing that's that's particularly important over the the coming uh, months and year really is our engagement in Scotland with the rest of the world. I mean, one of the really exciting things uh, with the basic income movement just now, and you know, this is why we're having this conversation just now, is because it is taking on a global dimension. It may be taking on different characteristics in those areas, um, but we, you know, we're very much looking to learn from the rest of the world. So we've been working with our, our colleagues in Finland with the experiment underway just there. We've got events lined up in Scotland over coming months with leading basic income uh, academics, Carl Vidaquist from Georgetown University in Qatar, uh, Evelyn Forge from, from Manitoba in Canada. We, you know, we're looking at how we can engage. I'm speaking at the Basic Income Earth Network Congress in, uh, in Finland in the summer. And I think there is a really exciting space there for that global dimension. What can we learn and what can we share? Uh, and I think that's one of the things that's been attractive in a Scottish context, but also shows us that we're not just being uh, individually radical here. We're actually looking at something that's taking on a lot of traction and a lot of relevance in a number of different geographic and international uh, contexts just now. So I think the next year will be really exciting. I think it's a space for us hopefully to identify the challenges to experimentation, but therefore ways around those. I think it's definitely a, a space for us to start to design the process of what experimentation in Scotland would look like. Uh, and I think with very much a strong 
um, focus and emphasis around the evaluation stage of that, the capacity building, the the way to really build in wider society to the conversations we're we're having, um, and if we can take those forward, then I think a very a, a very exciting space for us to be able to put a package to the Scottish government, to the Scottish Parliament, to our local authority partners, and say this is our chance to to really experiment and do something radical uh, and exciting in Scotland. There are obviously political challenges to that. You know, Brexit is a is a huge issue. Um, if we are into a second referendum on Scottish independence, that could have political connotations for this. But I think by creating the model of what uh, a basic income pilot or experiment in Scotland could look like. I think in, in the very least, we will create something very powerful that could be used in many different parts of the world. And realistically, I think with the discussions uh, I've had and, and the, the feedback from various people, I think a very powerful opportunity and a real chance that we could take this forward and, and have a direct impact on Scottish policy moving forward. Great, yeah, it's a lot of exciting stuff. Those are the questions I had for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think they're. I think that's the, the kind of crucial bits. Um, I think it really is about that international dimension. I think we, you know, we're really keen to learn from what happens in Stockton. You know, discussions you guys are having uh, across California, and and I think particularly that impact around tech. So for me, I feel we need a better synthesis between uh, the element of kind of tech AI focus, automation focus that that there has been at points in the US with the social justice focus in Scotland, because actually I think what we need is both of those uh, brought together better. So anything we can we can be learning and we can be uh, kind of contributing to in, in a kind of global perspective, I think is is definitely hugely attractive, particularly given the, the political context in Scotland just now. That was Jamie Cook, head of RSA Scotland on the Basic Income Podcast. I thought it was nice to hear that all these experiments, all the trials going on in, in different countries, it is a global conversation, especially within Europe, but also, you know, over here in California, these places are learning from each other and watching each other, and it's becoming a, a global movement. That's absolutely true. I, I think we often talk mostly about what's happening here in the U.S., but we wouldn't be having a lot of these conversations if it hadn't been, well, a few years back for the Swiss referendum, but also the traction that this policy is, is really gaining in countries around the world. All of that adds on to itself. And, and so I think altogether, that's what's led to more of this snowball effect. And, and you're starting to see a lot more general conversation around the policy. I also thought it was really interesting that his view is that automation is not the driver in Scotland, that it's really about the social justice framework. I, I think that certainly here in the US, the tech motivation is, is what you hear, at least in the news media, for the most part. And I think that's why we feel like there's more of a conversation today, just recently. So it's really interesting to hear that in Scotland, it is not about the tech. It is about what could this do to really lift people up. Yeah, and, and that's encouraging that the conversation is broadening to, to the social justice issue because you know, automation provides a catalyst, you know, instead of us just kind of coming out of nowhere and saying, hey, why don't we just start giving people money? It's a motivating force, but there are so many more reasons to pursue basic income beyond that. And getting back to how so many countries are doing this, it is hard to address every issue at once. You know, Finland's focusing on the unemployment benefits. Stockton's more just about sort of getting stories and lifting people up. Y Combinator, we'll, we'll get a better sense of soon. 
But it is nice how, because there's so much going on, we are able to segment different parts of this conversation through different experiments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think his, his view that this is really a foundation stone for a new social contract and that he's seeing other policies really going along with this to like create that full picture of what it means to move into a 21st century social contract. That's, I think, an exciting and smart approach to take. And I think that is where the conversation needs to go because that is an open question of what does the whole social safety net look like when you have a basic income? And obviously there are a lot of opinions around that on both sides, but that is the next big question. That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. We're actually going to be taking a break over the next few weeks. We'll still be releasing episodes. There'll be some of our hits over the last year and a half. So you'll still keep hearing from us, and we'll pick up with new episodes in a month or so. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davison. And if you like what you hear, please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice. And please do tell your friends about the podcast. We're always looking to reach new people. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.